Blog Talk Radio. And yes, my name is Alex Okurji. You're listening to the Queen of Expression, and I'm coming to you live all the way from Lagos, Nigeria. In the heart of Africa. <laughs> okay, you know, I always look forward to doing this, you know, always letting people know that I'm coming, you know, this is coming to you straight out from inside Africa. Yeah. So, yes, everyone. Well, let me tell you what. I have been counting down. Um, hours, like literally, I'm like tick, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. You know, right there, we're going. It's and yes, yes, I have been looking forward to today's live and. Uh, just looking forward to an amazing conversation. And like I say, every time we're here on the show, you know, expression is a sign of strength, not weakness. And this is a home for real authentic conversation. So, yes, we do not apologize for, you know, for thinking what we're thinking. We do not apologize for how we feel. We do not apologize for experience. We keep it real. We keep it naked, right? So, yes, we're here for open and take on conversations. And, of course, as always, so anything can happen. Um, so, so yeah. Welcome to the Naked Talk with Alex Gersey, and uh, I'm very excited. And yes, you know, just before I made it, who joined me live. Um, 
how they can also be active participants of taking care of the planet. And so it was great to have that show. And like every other show, you know, it's always amazing to bring influences from around the world, all our archived shows. And yes, every single conversation is different because every guest is different and every guest has different experiences. And of course, we have very conversations about real issues. And so don't forget that you can always catch the Naked Talk live on our official website at www.thenakedtalk.live. Or you can catch any of your favorite radio channels. Yes, we're also syndicated. Fox FM, we're also on Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn Radio. You can also listen to The Naked Talk on Radio Public. We're also on Podcastpedia. We're, oh my God, we're everywhere. We're on uh, Pod Africa in Uganda. We're also uh, on the Good Radio Network in Canada. And uh, yeah, you can even catch us now on your, like in your car, right? So we're also streaming in your car dashboards. You can listen to us Dear Aha Radio, and of course you can catch us on Zeno FM. So I'll just go to our website. We're now streaming conversations 24-7, so you have no reason whatsoever to miss any of the amazing guests we've had on our show and any of the amazing, stimulating, illuminating conversations that I have with all these amazing influences. So yes, today on the show, don't forget, this show is brought to you by our amazing friends at QTB Events. Now QTB is all about putting together the finest quality A-class events. Yes, and you can find out more about them if you go to their official website at QTAB and Q, that's Q-T-A-B-Y events.com and find out more about them. And let's not forget, yes, one of my amazing global sisters, uh, Venice Johnson, is putting together amazing, amazing greets for her new book on uh, uh, Zims, and yes, you can join Venice Johnson if you're going to be in the Detroit area. Wherever you're listening, if you're in the United States and you're going to be in Detroit, you can definitely make a copy of your book, get a copy of So you go to Boldisms, the book. Boldism, B-O-L-D-I-S-M-S, the book.com. And, of course, you can get a copy of the ambassador's I'm trying to get my, you know, my tonsils out. You know I go back and forth with my tonsils, right? So I'm feeling a little. So if you hear me stuttering a little, just know that Alex is under the weather, but I couldn't wait. You know, I wanted to have this conversation. I've been counting down the hour. For me, it is a privilege to have this amazing woman. We're going to have a real great chat. So wherever you're in, and don't forget that this can have it on this season. Um, and, yes, you can be part of this conversation. Or you can use the live Skype button. There's a live Skype right on top of your player. If you click there, you can get in. You can actually call in for free. So, yeah, what does it take to lead? Well, today on the show, you know, uh, wherever you're trying to lead from, you know, whether you're trying to lead at home, in the bedroom, the bedroom, at work, with your team members, or maybe even in an organization or association, we know that good leaders are hard to find. Now, they exhibit a unique blend of charisma, vision, and character traits that attract people to follow them. Now, today's guest is the youngest 
presidential candidate in the 2019 elections to lead to want to lead the highest office in Nigeria. Now she's a 39-year-old accomplished lawyer, a businesswoman, and the national chairman of the National Interest Party (NIP), who juggles politics, motherhood with all the other amazing, amazing hats that she wears. And I'm very, very excited to have with me joining all the way, live all the way from the UK. She is a lawyer, a politician, and as you all know, she's, a, she's one of the presidential candidates for our upcoming elections here in Nigeria. And I am so pleased to have with me the beautiful, funny, high-spirited, and she's high-spirited, I can tell you for that, <laughs> amazing Eunice Atwejide, who's joining me live all the way from the UK. Hi, Eunice. Welcome to the Hello. Talk. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Oh, I, I forgot to tell them how high-spirited. I was just about to catch, you know, like it was almost going in live on the count. I was like, wait, 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 is that Eunice dancing guaguara or something like that? Like, I'm about to catch that. one of your videos and I'm like, oh my God, it's time to go. Like they didn't allow me to enjoy the video. But you know, you're filled with so much high energy and so much high be like let's just say that you know Eunice becomes our president we're like oh my god we're so grooving in that as a rock is like it's gonna be groove and groove and it's good <laughs> you know there's nothing like I think we need hello Hello. Hi. Hi, wow, Eunice. I oh, my God. Completely. I completely lost yeah. you for a while. Oh, my God. So now, apparently, it appears to me that we have to pray to the God, gods of technology again. Here in Nigeria, we're doing this three ways. I'm in Nigeria. This in New York. We're not on right, we're going to make sure happy those who are listening. So, um, just before that little technical when went on there, I was asking, you know, I said that you have had quite a journey, lots of personal and If we were to describe you, it would be such, I mean, I think we'll probably spend like three hours here trying to list all the things young as you are. Listening, where people who are interested, like a lot of conversation going in the back. I can barely hear you. Like I get a bit. You can hear me now. Do you hear me now? I hear you now, but like even when I hear you, when I start talking, like oh, this is weird. Okay, do you hear me now? Is it better now? Yes, I hear you now. 
Okay, so this is going to be a long one. So I was just saying that, you know, how would you describe yourself? Like, oh, how would you, say, who would, yeah, who would you say Eunice is? <sighs> Away from all the things we know, you know, all of us, we can detach to describe <laughs> you. And I'd be uh, forever. But how would you describe yourself? Eunice is, of course, Eunice is your everyday person. However, Eunice is that person that loves challenges, that person that craves challenges. I don't like doing easy things. I've never liked doing easy things. So I'm naturally inclined to do it if people say it cannot be done. That's mm. it. Yeah. Once you tell me that's not possible, then that means it's got to be done. That means I can do it. That's the way I see life. So you can't have how many children? Oh, really? Then I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> you cannot be the CEO of World Bank. Then I'm going to do it. Uh, you cannot be the president of Nigeria, then I'm going to do it. That's just who I am. So um, when people think or most things people think are the impossible things to do or too difficult or uh, forget it, nobody can get there, definitely know you because you're a woman or you're not rich enough or whatever, then I'm going to do it. I'm that person who generally look for I am just your everyday person, but I hate it when people challenge me. If you challenge me to anything, I'm going to do it because I don't feel, I, don't, I just feel like I'm capable of anything I set my heart to. And when I do set my heart to do anything, I usually get it done. It may take me longer than I planned, but I would definitely get it done. I love, I love how you describe yourself so very simply, right? I'm, I'm, and like I said, there's, too, there's a lot of accomplishments around you, but you say you're this everyday girl who loves challenges. And this woman after my heart got challenges. There's so many people saying things are impossible. You know, this field, there's so many yeah. people saying you can't do this, you can't, you can't yeah. do that. You have to fit into yeah. societal expectations. And you take yeah. somebody with bold, somebody who's bold, somebody who's brave, someone who's courageous to say, well, of course I can do this. So you're yeah. the person who tries to this everyday girl. And I think that, you know, as, as well as us, not, yeah. you know, someone who's not, who doesn't understand us, but somebody who is one, one of us. So when you say that everyday person, even if I don't, call you, even if I'm, even if I'm in my your background. What was it like for young Eunice growing up? Oh, young Eunice uh, grew up in the um, uh, you would probably call them suburbs, but I'll, let me just call it, call it what it is, in the mm-hmm. Iwaya area, which is like the slum area of the uh, Yaba, Sabo, Unilab mm-hmm. houses. So uh, I, I grew up in that house that was always sinking, and every time it rains, it was flooded to the point where we all, at least I learned to swim in my father's living room. <laughs> and you swim alongside the really huge carcass from people who pour their 
there are fishes in the gutters and then the water will wash it into the house and you just have to swim your way in and out of the compound and the streets. So, yeah, uh, but in all of it, the fact that you couldn't even get three square meals a day was not something that made Genius unhappy. It was something that rather made Genius feel challenged. So by the time I was <laughs> eight, nine, ten, I was already going off looking for ways to make money and bring money home to help mom and dad uh, provide better for the rest of us. So you would find me uh, babysitting, you would find me washing plates in restaurants, you would find me buying up uh, eggs and pork and then making them and cutting them into smaller pieces and going about to sell them so that I can get some money home. You can you find me singing, dancing, acting, anything that brought a little bit of money so I could help with the school fees and additional food and not just always where my dad will pour water into the soup to make it plenty at least make sure that there was a bit of more <laughs> there was texture in the soup so yeah I'm like your everyday girl in every sense of the word like growing up in the um, what hit areas of the community why I like the Ajegunle of Apapa area you know so yeah and had friends uh, didn't have a lot of time to play, but a few times mm-hmm. I could play, yeah. I made sure that, I mean, in the rains especially, I got soaked to the brims and caught a bit of cold and then, yeah, and then ran it off and, you know. So, yeah, childhood was fun. It wasn't privileged, but it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm that kind of person that finds happiness in whatever situation I'm in, and it started early in my life because... Whereas other kids were busy complaining, I was busy looking for ways to make sure that what it is today is not what it is tomorrow. And it, it worked out because I always just looked at it like, no, I have to do something and little by little things will get better. And that was exactly what happened. You know, you know first of all, let me just say how much I admire that. I admire your courage, right, to be able to stand up and Thank say, you. you know what, I'm... I'm with this. It's very easy for us to on the outside criticize. You know, we all have opinions. Everybody has an opinion about something, but I admire courage because I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, when we were young, they told us we could be president, right? All of you can be leaders of tomorrow. <laughs> but not every, not, not so many of us are bold enough to say, yeah, let's make that happen. We're like, look, I have enough problems in my house. Let me just deal with myself. <laughs> So for me, for us to see someone... I do believe... Mm -hmm. Sorry. I do believe that the people who end up leading always led, no matter what their circumstances were in life. I didn't grow up from the wealthy, privileged Mm -hmm. home where everybody had an opportunity. I learned Mm -hmm. to create my own opportunities. And I learned Mm -hmm. to look at things, even at a very early age, and tell myself, that's not where I want to be. That's not how it's got to be. It can be better. And I have to figure out how to make it better. And then with time, you realize that, okay, if I could bring a little bit of money home and add to what mom and dad could bring home, then it could get better. And then before you knew it, you were doing so much. I was buying shares at the age of 16. No, 14, actually. I was already buying shares 
not like I really knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, <laughs> I just thought, come on, um, it's what was involved. You would always mm-hmm. get find a newspaper that some mm-hmm. body bought shares a few months ago, and then now it is so much money. And you know, so I thought, okay, if I could put some of my little change in that, and it would develop or become something more, why not? You know, so you go do all the work, dancing, uh, win competitions, get the prize money, uh, do your hawking and cleaning and everything. And then you gather the money, give mom and dad what they need, buy your extras for yourself and your siblings, and then put the rest with the uh, stockbroker. Because you don't know, maybe it's going to be like a lot of money tomorrow. You really don't know. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is they said that this thing makes money, put it there. And then, you know, before you knew it, when I was traveling, that was the money that paid my way out of Nigeria. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I was doing that thing as a little girl. I really didn't know what I was doing. But eventually it paid out. It paid off because, yeah, always thinking about ways to, steps to take to make tomorrow better. I've been doing that since I was a child. So um, walking towards the presidency didn't just happen. It's something that gradually, gradually started coming together and I said to myself, um, we've been able to do so much, everyday life, young people, older people, small scale, large scale, why not prepare to make it like a nationwide effort, probably even a worldwide effort because I know that when Nigeria starts to work, the entire Africa would feel it and the world would feel it. There would not be so much refugees like too many of the refugees you find in Europe, especially, are from Nigeria. They take all kinds of nationalities from all other African countries. But when you get to the bottom of it, they're mostly from Nigeria. So by the time Nigeria is working, people won't even have reason to be going away. They will be coming back. And the stress we are giving to Europe, who is the one really receiving them and trying to give them asylum and all, would reduce. So you're not just influencing what's happening in your community, in your state or your local uh-huh. government area, or your country, you're actually influencing what's happening uh-huh. in the world. And I said to myself, that's what I want to do. That's absolutely what I want to do. Get this country working, and by that, get the world better. Make the world better. And here I am, speaking to you about it. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, no, but no. Outside, just listening to you know, I I've realized that human beings we read headlines, right? We just hear, you know, we read the headlines and we don't dig, you know, we we just get our opinions from our mouthpieces, from you know, from the media or from what somebody else is saying without you know other people's opinions, without really trying to figure out what drives the person. And let's be yeah. honest, you have been leading. First of all, I always believe that you can't be you can't lead a group of people if you can't lead yourself. True. So you have shown what a fantastic example it is to yourself to be to lead your own life, to lead your life into the direction that you want to be starting oh. from a humble beginning. You know, not having the best, you know, having everything you want at your disposal. Unfortunately is the way the world is. So many people don't have everything they need. But sometimes we mm. use that as an excuse not to do better, not to know better, not to work hard, not to fight for better, not to lead our own lives into the you know, there are people who are doing you know, who are robbers, am robbers and, and doing all sorts of other things who for for whatever reason their excuse is that well life is tough. Right? But here you are 
you know, having let yourself, you know, build your own future, and now you're saying, yeah. you know what, I'm ready to give my time and to help this country be better. And I admire that, really, really, I'm yeah. being honest with you. I really, really admire that. And you said quite a lot of things. So let's talk about, you know, your extensive career. We know that you have an extensive career that has gone way back to so many. You've had your hands in different pots. <laughs> in the report before joining politics. I, tell you. <laughs> um, I mean, I knew you when you were in the entertainment industry. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, back, you know, you yeah. were all in events and all that. Just take us a little back. You know, let's take, because again, I always think that, you know, somebody, again, that, you know, for example, for the position of the presidency, I don't think it's rocket science. I know that we have problems. I know. We have real issues, but I don't think it's rocket science. But I also mm-hmm. think that knowing a bit of everything, having experienced different sectors, having mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's funny when you have leaders who don't know any, you know, who don't know any, who know nothing about nothing or nothing yeah. about something. I don't, I don't know yeah. how to put that now. But yeah. you had your hands in different pies. You've been a woman. You're a lawyer. You've been in the entertainment industry, which really is one of the biggest bane. This country. Let's talk yeah. about it. That's the truth the, in terms of the economy. Um, I mean, yeah, oil is what it is, but in the future, we don't know how that's going to level up with, you know, with, with, you know, the entertainment business. But let's talk about your extensive career, what it was like trying to build a career for yourself, finding yourself yeah. in the industry. Just give us a little bit, you know, background. <sighs> Um, uh, Nollywood, uh, I think I was one of the people who set out uh, at Nollywood at the very beginning because it, I remember the VHS tape period uh, with the Living in Bondage and the first few movies. It just literally happened that I, I was already acting on stage, uh, doing quite a number of productions, whether from the church groups and Dominic Catholic Church in um, Yaba, or from my other theatrical groups where we used to go perform at the National Arts Theatre, uh, some uh, theatre houses in Sulere, Ajegunle, Aguda, you know. So um, I've had my hand on stage doing different work, whether as an actor or behind the set uh, helping productions. So when the Nollywood uh, thing started, it just naturally happened that those of us who were already involved with acting on stage and singing and doing um, shows naturally flowed in uh, into the uh, movie-making industry. Uh, of course, I set out to uh, find acting roles but um, there were conditions I just couldn't imagine myself meeting, sleeping with anybody for the sake of acting. You know, I just was just out of a question for me. So I ended up being one of those people behind the scenes. I was doing continuity. I was PA to quite a number of producers, directors, and all. And then over the years, I became one of the person who fundraises for the productions. I did a lot of marketing, pre-marketing before the productions are done, during the productions and post-productions also. And then from then onwards, like continuing with the marketing side of Nollywood, I made connections that now involved other aspects of um, uh, like selling products or helping people sell mm-hmm. and advertise products and all. But for Nollywood, um, yeah, acting wasn't really happening, but that didn't matter because um, mm-hmm. this was really 
home already for me, considering I came from the stage um, end of things. So mm-hmm. eventually, from helping all the other producers, directors, I uh, decided, okay, I'd studied in the U.S., uh, filmmaking, acting, producing, directing, all those things. So I just said, okay, it's time to make my own movie. So I produced mm-hmm. Hatsis. Um, which was a story, mm-hmm. a musical story that had um, uh, gay, a gay, a homosexual, is it gay? Side mm-hmm. to it, you know, it was like more a musical dance movie, but then the story mm-hmm. involved a little bit of lesbianism, and mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of the actors at the time like forget it. Dr. Ebuso said, "No way, she's going to act lesbian." Um, <laughs> quite a lot, quite a lot of the actors forget it, like I to kill their careers, whatever, whatever. So I ended up playing the girl, Tammy, who was uh, mm-hmm. more or less confused about whether or not she was mm-hmm. gay. Like, was she gay? Was she mm-hmm. not? And she wants to have a relationship with her friend who doesn't want to even hear about it. And then she had affairs with the other guy who is sure she's not gay, blah, blah, blah. So it's a lot of music, but then also a bit of, like, Confucius with the mm-hmm. teenage people. At that time, there was quite a lot of uh, men, menace, you would say, uh, confusion amongst the young Nigerians, whether they were gay or not. Mm-hmm. It was like the gay thing came into Nigeria at the time. So I just thought, okay, make a story that touches on that a little. And yeah, and then of course, I dabbled into directing while in that. Then the whole, with time, I just realized, okay, after the uh, marketing, you know, the way marketing is done in mm-hmm. Nigeria, that your entire production is dependent on the distributor. And then if he decides mm-hmm. to pay you, he's paying you. If he decides he's not paying, he's not paying you. So when my marketer guy just decides to uh, use whatever he's selling for my money, uh, for my production to make his own, and then it flops, and then he doesn't give you anything, it just got to the point where I thought, okay, I can't be spending money I need to... Uh, pay bills mm-hmm. for parents, brothers, sisters, friends, everybody that I was responsible for. Uh, I can't spend that money making movies and then not make anything out of it. So mm-hmm. at that point, I said, okay, time to move on and do other things. Well, actually, before I even moved on completely, I doubled into the music business, all the P-squared, the bands, Zulizu, African China, whatever their names were, who were like beginning to sprout up. Mm-hmm. In the early 2000s, uh, mid like 2000 to 2005, 2007-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. at least I started like, okay, let me see how to market them in Europe, mm-hmm. in America, wherever I had mm-hmm. connections. But what I did then was to try and market them mainstream. If I, I mean, mm-hmm. with the benefit of hindsight now, I realized I should have tried to create a niche for them instead of trying to mm-hmm. get them into the Michael Jackson, uh, what's his name, <laughs> Usher, you know, like, mm-hmm. this, this mm-hmm. particularly, ah, that's Michael Jackson, Usher, you know, so I wanted them to, like, come <laughs> on that level. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't the same thing. So it was so hard to get them the kind of deals I was seeing all my colleagues mm-hmm. seeing. So I was like, what? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, eventually I spent so much money doing all that, coming in, getting all the deals, like promising them a lot, and then getting out there and not being able to find those deals mm-hmm. for them. 
eventually I realized that, ah, the way it's done now is what I should have been trying to do. Just create <laughs> that market that just targets our African people, Nigerians especially, which is a big market, but nowhere near as big as this whole uh, uh, um, UK, Europe, American market. But uh-huh. it's quite a big market. But yeah, I did try to sell them. I sold quite a few, got a lot of royalties for a lot of them in Nigeria. I was working with your dad's company, well, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, PMRS at the time. So I used to help time. them uh, distribute royalties and, you know, work out some of these copyright issues. Um, yeah, so then from there, uh, when I decided, okay, this entertainment thing was costing me, I loved the industry. I mean, I know I'm going to still invest in the entertainment business on, at all levels, movies, music, distribution, everything, but I want to do it with money. I have no problem uh, losing. I have $200 million mm-hmm. and I feel, okay, I really don't care <laughs> whether it stays or goes. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'll put it in entertainment because it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. The investment and the returns are high it's just it takes a bit of patience and it takes uh-huh. quite a lot of um you have to be ready to risk it all to be able to uh uh-huh. reap the dividends of investing in the entertainment industry and i'm going to do it that's like guaranteed god giving me life and resources i'm still going to come back and do some real 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 work in the entertainment industry then from then onwards i went into um, project financing and procurement. So a lot of my colleagues who were always so against my entertainment business, um, what they call it, madness, I uh, just reconnected with them. I started um, connecting investors with projects in Nigeria, Uganda, Cameroon, you know, bringing people with money in the UK, in Germany, in the Middle East, in America, most of the European countries where people were always looking forward to invest their money, uh, bringing them to um, <laughs> Nigeria and other African countries where there were projects for them to do. Um, then, of course, I was doing procurement as well. I had friends who, at that time, Obas and Joe had introduced this due process thing. So you could just come from wherever. Mm-hmm. So as you met the conditions, you were highly likely to win mm-hmm. contracts. So a lot of us just came in and started just uh, bidding for a lot of contracts. And we were winning them and delivering them and bidding for some more and just procuring um, goods, mostly um, health health. Um, equipment, you know, medical equipment, mostly for me at the time, uh, supplying to the different ministries, different states, local government uh, projects that were funded by the EU, um, uh, World Health Organization, things like that. So I did that for a while. And in the process of doing some of those financing um, work, uh, one of the transactions I did in Dubai then um the legal aspect was not so clear. So I lost so much money and I decided, okay, I was definitely going to do law because if I knew a bit of law, <laughs> I would not have lost all that money I lost. You know, the way it went was like, like one day you had £500,000 uh-huh. in your pocket, the next day you had nothing, you know. So it was really, really annoying and painful. But I said, okay, it's probably going to happen to me again. So I was going to study law and... Uh, around the same time, I met my husband. We were having children, but I was studying the law. And then when the law was all done, um, of course, I was always doing my businesses, buying, selling, distributing things, 
doing consultancies, even when having babies, I was always involved with procurement one way or the other, helping clients uh, negotiate contracts, and of course, studying my law and having the babies one every year until they were all born. <laughs> and then all the degrees were all completed. And I thought, okay. Um, uh, of course, I had offers from various law firms to come in and join their crew, but I knew I wanted so much more with my life. Mm-hmm. And of course, while we were in law school in Nigeria, because after I finished law here, I had to go to Nigeria for one year. I decided to go to Nigeria for one year, do the law school there, so I can also practice in Nigeria. So mm-hmm. um, in that time in the Nigerian law school, that was where the decision to form the National Interest Party took root because um, you could see the destitution life and it just reminded mm-hmm. one of all the things you left behind, all the years of struggle, hunger, ah, you know, lots of my colleagues couldn't afford to pay their school fees. We had to do a lot of fundraisers to help other people. Too many of them could hardly eat. Like you had people who couldn't buy food for a whole week. Like they had to go to school <laughs> every day for a whole week and they were not eating. So um, mm-hmm. I formed that kind of clique where everybody just come and eat. We just always all go. You know, you don't. I don't ask, have you eaten? Do you have money? Mm-hmm. I just carry them because you can tell. You can tell who they are. At least I can tell because mm-hmm. I've been through that kind of situation where you are too proud to ask mm-hmm. somebody for food or you're actually dying of hunger. So I used to just invite them, mm-hmm. take them back to mommy market and make sure everybody eats like well. Yeah, so after a while, some fire confiding in me with the issues. And then when you realize that, like, almost everybody had a problem. The kids in the area were not going to school. A lot of them were sick, and they were, you come to hospitals there, and children are dying because their parents do not have money to pay for uh, health care for them. And you had the, we had the Barrio Child Foundation, and a lot of the children were not in school that should be. So... Myself and my colleagues, particularly those that came, the foreign trained uh, graduates, were like, no, 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 this is just not, this is just not what it mm-hmm. should be. We can't be, uh, we can't go back. Like, there's no way we finish here and then we all head back and then start living our lives like Nigeria is fine. Mm-hmm. We have to do something. And what we've been doing is not enough. Like, we're all contributing our little, little pennies and helping mm-hmm. a few people, but it's our country that needs the help. We have to do something. Mm-hmm. Then we're thinking to form a movement where we like become a pressure group. But some of us said, forget it. Pressure mm-hmm. group won't work because after elections, mm-hmm. they ignore you. And the next time they start to mm. uh, listen to you is when the next elections are coming. <laughs> and yeah, we thought mm. about joining another political party massively. We all thought PDP was close to what we would like to have in terms of ideologies. You know, but that the people who wrote their constitutions and uh, manifestos at the time obviously are not the people running the party because the documents are fine, but then 16 years they nearly killed us in Nigeria. 
So we said, okay, we should take over <laughs> PDP. But then we now started studying the PDP structure, and we realized that it was in the hands of a few people. You don't come into PDP, mm-hmm. and then you go and do free and fair elections, and you're now the national chairman or the mm-hmm. publicity secretary or anything, working organiz- uh, the national working committee. It was impossible. So we looked at it and said, no. Uh, if we even if all five thousand plus of us at the time in in the whole campuses because we were connecting to everybody all over the comp uh, uh, six campuses so we had WhatsApp and Facebook groups where we were studying together and trying to make sure that none of us was lost, left behind so in that process we said no like joining to the day wouldn't work because even if all five thousand of us got in there on the same day we're still going to be <laughs> as useless as any because power was like specifically handled in a way that it only goes to the people they have decided it's going to. There's no way to go in there and take over. You know, so we said, okay, we had to form our own party. That's how uh, from law school, NYSC, and some other youth groups we, we had direct access to, we were able to form the National Interest Party. And yeah, it took months, months and months of serious debates and quarrels and disagreements, but eventually it came together. We have a manifesto we are very proud of. We have a constitution that we believe in. We have ideologies that we know is the best to help the country move forward, not to uh, socialist, also not to capitalist. I was sitting right there in the center and making sure that we are carrying the two sides along so that we are allowing government to control and provide uh, regulations and policies to uh, minimize too much capitalism and uh, lawlessness and recklessness. But we're also allowing an open market, like free up the system Mm -hmm. so that investors can put their money wherever they feel they need to put it to make money and help the economy so we know that it's necessary to run both sides concurrently so we said okay let's go to the center and absolutely stay in the center running both a capitalist system and a relatively social um, system concurrently I think I amazing (laughs) <laughs> no, that that is really, really. You know what? Here's the thing. I was just saying to myself, um, you know, and 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 it's great that you talk about this because one of the real issues that I've always said, you know, but I was like, okay, I can't tell the difference between the political parties. Like, you know, we, and I think that this is something that a lot of Nigerians, you know, would say, oh, you know what? I can't tell. Like, what is the difference? Like, what is the, like, what, is there really an ideological difference between PDP uh, and APC? No, no, no. They, they, on their on their documents, if you read their documents, you will be able to say, you will be able to tell that at least there are some that are okay, but socialists. The, the average Nigerian doesn't have access to those documents. Do you get? That's so, right. Like that's right. Do you get where I'm coming? Don't have access do. to those documents. I, I mean, you do. You're privileged, but we don't have those access. You know, we just want to know based on how they show up. You know, how do they show yeah. up? Is there, like, difference? And they don't show up differently. They show no, up, they don't like, show up differently the because they don't even know the contents of their own documents. That's just the truth. In and other words, of the politicians exactly. see in Nigeria today have no clue. 
So it's it's amazing that you talk about you know just how NIP was you know created and the foundation under which it was created at all. And while you were talking about your you know your entrance into the entertainment industry and your foray in the industry, and I know that we have a couple of people who are dialed in. Don't forget if you want to join the conversation, if you're listening, you want to join the conversation, you want to speak, make sure to use your hand raising effect. Press one, press one, so we know you want to speak, and then of course we'll you know get you into the conversation with my special guest. So I, while you were talking about you know your your career in the entertainment industry, I remember the, I actually remember the movie Hatbeats. <laughs> I remember it so well. Of course I saw it. Now I for oh you with God. all my buddies, John Jama and Empress. So I remember Hatbeat very well. I remember, and I just realized that man, she's been dancing for a long time because you know it was really a musical. Um, I remember, I remember it very well. And then not only that, but it also shows that you have been challenging the system for as long as you know. It's very easy for people to think. You're just coming in. You've been challenging the system because you're doing a film like that at the time. I remember, like I said, I remember yeah. Hatbeat. Um, oh, the, the actors story of it. Like, they were not going I to know. be lesbians. Forget <laughs> it. It will kill their careers. And I am not an actor per se, at least not screen actor. Mm-hmm. I just had to get in there and do it. As if I've taken some acting lessons and stuff. I said, okay, come. What's so hard in doing this? Come on, guys. I'm going to do this. So I went in there that's, and I what, played Tammy. And and I find that, you know, like I said, it's great that we're having this conversation because you're not just someone who's just coming out of nowhere saying, you know what, I want to become the president of Nigeria. And you're running to be president of our country. But you have been challenging the system from day one in all the little corners and all the little spurs. I mean, here it is taking a very bold conversation, very bold issue, issues, things that make people scared. Like you said, some of the actors were scared to play the part because they were worried that it would affect their career. I mean, talk about it, like how many years back and they're still in it, you know. But they were scared to tell the story. And your job as an actor is to tell the story, right? But, you know, we're concerned about a lot of things. So so we look at back again, we look at Eunice and say, Eunice is the person, like you said, who does the impossible and who just goes That's up right. there and just makes it happen. So I think that is very interesting. But let's do this, Eunice. Let's take a quick, let's take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. If you're with us, okay. stay with us. I see some people dialed in. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Just uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. You're listening to the Naked Talk. It's so uncensored. She keeps it real. She keeps it straight. She tells it like it is no matter who's afraid to bear. <laughs> You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. QTAB Events, your one-stop shop for A-class events and entertainment, international artist management and promotion, logistics management, project management, and brand enhancement, with affiliates across South Africa, UK, Benin Republic, Togo, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, and Cameroon. Wouldn't you rather let 
our dynamic team treats you like the respectable clients that you are, taking away the stress from your business. Taking away the stress from your business. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you're just tuning in, well, this is still the Naked Talk with Alex Okorosi. And yes, my name is still Alex Okorosi. It hasn't changed, and I'm joining you, or coming to you, sorry, live all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, in the heart of Africa. And yes, just before we went to that little commercial break, I, you know, I've been having a really, really stimulating conversation with my very special guest who's joining me live right now from the UK. But she is uh, an amazing lawyer. She's a politician, and she's also a presidential candidate under the NIP, National Interest Party, and she's running to be the president, probably our first president, female president, first female president of Nigeria. Hi, Eunice. Welcome back on The Naked Talk. Thank you. Wait, you know what, Eunice? First of all, let me yeah. say this. You're the youngest. You're, you're the youngest um, presidential candidate, if I'm correct, youngest for this election. Yes, right now. I mean, of all the people yes. who have come out as uh, from mm-hmm. their political parties, like who are surely going mm-hmm. to be on the ballot sheet, definitely the youngest. You're the youngest, and you're the youngest female, and who knows, yeah. you have the chance of being our first female president. Wow, that <laughs> that is the chances that is are so, actually oh quite God, good, is... even for this 2019, mm-hmm. because my political party, National Interest Party, is in the coalition of uh, uh, United Political Parties, the CUPP. So, and the mm-hmm. idea is like all of us who have emerged from our various parties, we're going to have another primaries with all the ones mm-hmm. that are still to emerge. And so people like whoever comes out of the PDP, for example, who else comes out of the SDP, for example, Labour, mm-hmm. all those parties who are part of the CUPP, but who haven't done their primaries, whoever comes out of there is still coming for a second primaries at the CUPP. And it's at that second primaries that will decide who the consensus um, candidate will be. And that's the primaries that will be decided based on debates and your ability to convince the people to vote for you. I'm like, I do have a really, really good chance. Like, in fact, I'm praying that the that the that the people, the big people that can't talk, that cannot defend their policies, that cannot tell Nigerians what they plan to do for the country. As long as those are the kind of people that I am challenging, ah. Now, wow. Ah. <laughs> okay, Eugene, let me let me ask you this. Now, let's talk a little bit about what you qualify as good leadership, right? Because we, you know, we've talking about oh, we don't have good leaders. Our leaders are bad. Um, and when we say leaders, we're not just talking. I mean, yes, our political leaders, but even in you know small pockets of you know organizations, companies, businesses at home, you find out that you know. The corruption trickles down all the way to the home front. You know, when you, I, I remember seeing something and we talked about, you know, I cracked about this one time, like, you know, for as little as telling, you know, the, you know, the, the, the mother who tells her son to go grab ask daddy for 500 when he needs 200, you know, to the person who, you know, to the child who goes to, who collects 200 and maybe the teacher asks for, you know, the teacher needs 300 and asks for 500, you know, there's just so much going on that you find out that, you know, leadership isn't just, you know, at the top 
at the hem of it, right? It's right down all the way through. But for you, what would you qualify as good leadership? And what do you what do you, what are the basic requirements that a good leader needs to have? For me, the first thing a good leader needs to have is openness. You have to be available and you have to listen to the people. You need to know where they are hurting. You need to know what their needs are. You need to feel what their problems are because you can't Mm -hmm. solve them on your own. You have to be open. Mm -hmm. You have to allow feedback. You have to have a connection, straight line connection to the people that you want to lead because you are, first of all, their servant. If you understand that, first and foremost, you are there Mm -hmm. to serve them, then you are highly Mm -hmm. likely to get it because then they will feel free to tell you where it's hurting, to tell you how you are hurting them, and to show you how you can better do the work you actually want to do for them. So for me, the first thing in succeeding as a leader is the communication, having an open communication line with the people that you actually want to lead. Because no matter what, you never can, you can't you can't help anybody that you cannot that you do not communicate one on one with and mm-hmm. actually know what the person's and then even when you're helping people, you still need feedback from them because you could be hurting them mm-hmm. even though as far as you're concerned, what you're doing is for their benefit. You could be hurting them mm-hmm. and you may be applying policies or making decisions that you could do better if only you speak with them. So I believe that the first thing about leadership is having that openness, open line of communication, allowing for feedback, so that when you're doing it right, um, even the feedback you get will help you do it better. And when you're doing it wrong, the people you're leading are the best people to tell you how come you're not getting it right. So for me, it's firstly communication to allow for proper feedback and then allowing them access you know like okay i need to do this do that do that for you but they need to have access they need to be able to relate with whatever you have in mind they will not always agree with you but they need to be carried along anyway whether they agree with you or not you have to carry them along so that eventually they will start to understand what you're doing even if it's not the way they would have done it the moment they start to understand it the rebellion kind of um Whittles mm-hmm. away. Yeah, so leadership, whether it is at home with your children, I have five kids and they are amazing children, but they are different. Mm-hmm. So each person uh-huh. needs a different tactic. But then the most important mm-hmm. thing is that communication line. You don't throw, I don't throw orders at my kids. I discuss with them. Mm-hmm. I don't forbid them from doing things. I explain to them. Already, from the moment they are born, I start speaking to them. I start encouraging them to express themselves. And I start telling them how I think life should be. But then I listen to them what they think life should be for themselves. Of course, I have tricks about how I'll get them to believe what I want them to believe and to do what I want them to do. But it's never like, hey, go and do that. If you don't do that, I beat you. I have never beaten any of my children, even my oldest, who is now in his teens, you know. I don't beat them. I just discuss with them. And then when they make mistakes, I explain to them why what they are doing is not good for them and why it's not good for the rest of the world also. So eventually I have children that dissect things, they understand, they follow, Uh and they engage. And they do it even at their little ages. At that level, they are able to do it 
quite perfectly. So I tell you, whether you are leading a home with your children or leading in the church, in your church community, or leading in school, or coming into leadership in terms of politics, it's almost always the exact same dynamics. Whether I was doing uh-huh. it as the producer or the director, and my set, I usually have like hundreds of people on my set, whether it's uh, when when you talk about extras or the production crew mm-hmm. or the actors, like lots of people, I have to manage the different temperaments, the different um, egos. I have to understand mm-hmm. that you need everybody to work in sync. And even when the mm-hmm. differences occur and everybody is doing the things that you really don't want them to do, you still have to find a way to manage expectations and get to the point where the results that you need is gotten. Whether as a lawyer, as a businesswoman, as a politician now, because the politics in NIP is huge. Like, ha, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> everywhere you go. Wow. You were talking about corruption. You have no idea how corrupt the system will have. By the end of the day, even in the UK, in the whole of Europe, in America, there's always you will always come across corruption. It's just uh-huh. that the level uh-huh. we do it at in Nigeria, oh my God, like wow, <laughs> wow, that's like okay. Wow. I think we have a caller. I think we have a caller, Eunice. Um, I see someone dialed in, and their hand raising effect is up. Maybe they want to take this call, but just hold those yeah. thoughts because a couple of things you said that I really kind of just want to brush past them. But let me take this call and let's see if you know we have somebody who wants to join the conversation hello hi who's calling hi how are you doing my name is yemi hello hi yemi yemi hi yemi yes how are you doing fine thank you thank you so much for calling into the show uh do you want to contribute you want to ask Eunice a question you want to say something you want to contribute to the conversation Sure, sure, sure. I'm calling from Canada to be precise. I've been following Eunice on Facebook, and I have uh, a few questions. Uh, I was listening in, and I really appreciate the information about the COOP group that was formed and uh, understanding that uh, another primaries would hold. But my question to her is, uh, politics is the game of numbers, right? Mm. And uh, we've had different uh, political leadership since um, uh, over how many years now? 20 years? And uh, Mm -hmm. it seems that if we just have the same set of people in a different flavor. Uh, Uh And what I feel could uh, people could buy into is to see fresh people, fresh new ideas, which we've we're seeing a lot of new people in this uh, twenty towards this twenty nineteen uh, election, mm-hmm. but we don't yes. see them forming a coalition that is fresh. And we saw the uh, new presidential aspirants uh, that came together. I know there was a drama that she wasn't invited to that group. But my <laughs> question, is, my question to her is, if I don't feel the old and the new can mix to get something mm-hmm. different. I feel mm-hmm. we need something totally fresh. And like I said yeah. when I first started, politics is a game of numbers. How, yeah. why, 
why shouldn't we have all these fresh ideas coming together as a unified force rather than have okay. individual people just coming out yeah. in, in single, single spots? The chances of yeah. taking power from the old is just bleak. So that's my uh-huh. question okay. to her. Uh, and again, she talks about... Yeah, let me let me let me answer this. Uh, Yemi, that's uh, like definitely you're following me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram everywhere and I thank you for that because at least that shows me that you're interested in this uh story of Nigeria. You are one of those who really want to see things change. So you look out for people who are trying. Thank you. I really do appreciate. Um CUPP became a necessity because trying to bring the new faces, the new guys together Already, I, that was what I set out to do. I wasn't planning to run for the presidency yet. I was thinking, oh my God, there was still a lot of preparations ahead of me. So what I was doing after the National Interest Party received um, the certificate of registration on the 10th of January, from the 10th of January to the 10th of June, I was running after all the guys who had declared. Uh, no, Saladrotoye is not at the time, but at least Omoyele Shuware, uh, Mogalu Kingsley, uh, Garba, uh, um, um, uh, Adamu Garba, uh, Ahmed Buhari, uh, Deti Baba Ahmed, lots of them that had declared that were new faces, that were fresh. I said to myself, the only way to make sure that power comes to new people was to bring everybody together. And a lot of us run together as one team. Only of us would emerge and then the rest of us will support that person through the presidency and get uh, um, Nigeria moving forward. That was the plan from NIP and we gave everything, spent so much money, traveled far and wide, met these people, talked and talked and talked. It was impossible. But then in the process, we were also learning about the characters and the personalities of these people who were supposedly new faces fresh faces and the future of Nigeria, we quickly concluded at NIP that it was going to be a huge error to put these people in power just because they haven't been in power before and mm-hmm. uh, Nigerians are tired of the existing status quo. Now, we had people among those people who were practically dictators, people who did not value democracy at all. They told me one upfront forget it, I am not going through a primary, I must get an automatic ticket, all of you must step down for me. And the other one is saying, forget it, I am the only savior of this country, if it's not me, then it cannot be any of these young people. And the other one is saying, ah, man, if it doesn't work out, we are just going to cause war, we'll fight them, because we can fight, we know our people, we know how to get the weapons, and we'll just fight them. And I said to myself, wow, these are the fresh faces, fresh names, not ever been in power caliber of people that I was desperately trying to bring together so that as one united force, we take down the establishment. After that 10th of June, 
um, Omoele Shore was the last one that uh, was supposed to join us, and then eventually it turned out he was only playing with us because he was forming his own party, but he came and he was negotiating with us, getting through to our back end, getting all our documents and everything. It was just a very annoying thing in the end, a very sincere, very inconsiderate thing to do. But he did it. He just literally just came into our party and took us, nakeded us the way you're naked talking here now, just for the fun of it. And I thought, that person who is that insincere, that, yeah, telling you everything and everything he's saying is a lie, is the same person I was trying to help become president of Nigeria. So, yeah, me, my brother, I decided that was the wrong place to be. Trying to get these people together wasn't going to work because, number one, they are fundamentally uh, flawed as leaders. They would not lead for the benefit of the people. They would lead for their own self-engagement. And that's the problem we have with the establishment. So rather than bringing new crop of people who would do worse to Nigeria, we said at NIP, let's join the old bandwagon so we know they are wicked. We know they are bad so we can be ready with our very long spoon to eat with them. But with these other newer faces, we would have relaxed and loved and settled and expected wonderful returns on our investments in them, and we would have been shattered. But with these other ones, at least small, 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 we'll start to like convert those who convert and bring in the good ones we can bring in amongst them. So small, 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 we can now take over without necessarily losing any of us. We're not joining them. We're not in a major. It's a coalition. And what a coalition gives you is the opportunity to be on the negotiation table. And on that negotiation table, we can move in as many good people that we at least know are good people for now and hope that power does not turn them to mad people. And if these good people yeah, are now working Eunice, with all of them... Sorry to cut you short, Eunice, but this uh, COP is... PDP is really the major muscle in COP, right? Is really the major um, political giant in COP. And we know what PDP has been uh, for the yeah, last 16 years. The so, party with the biggest yeah. structure is PDP, but PDP is not running the show in CUTP. That I can guarantee you. Now, the PDP knows that without the CUTP, they cannot beat Buhari. They know that. So they are not coming there to come and be dragging with us in that sense. They can't do it. Because if the CUPP scatters, Buhari will retain the presidency in 2019. And they all know it. So it is very important for them that to play according to the rules so that they don't end up on their own. Because if they end up on their own, forget it. The presidency is not theirs. Okay. So okay. they need so to cooperate need... with us you... and allow us to like design the future uh, leadership of Nigeria. It may yes. indeed end up that we pick a president that comes from PDP. It may end up that we pick the guy that comes from SDP or the one that comes from Labour. Right now, we do not know. Everything depends on what person, caliber, quality that those parties, these big parties, put in the cup. If they end up putting the worst of them in the cup, then at the end of the day, it's going to scatter. And when it's scattered, Buhari will be president again in 2019. And I can guarantee you, we, all of us that formed the CUPP, if there's anything we have in common, we definitely don't want Buhari to come back. Okay, well, very well said. But from from what you from <laughs> what you've um, explained right now, really appreciate uh, that feedback and your, you know, the way you articulated it. However, what I'm the feedback I'm getting is that you're stuck between two 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 dead seas. 
right? Your stock, you try the new guys, they look not visible. Okay, let me join. You want to join the old guys. You know they are terrible. You know they are worse. But guess what? Let me deal with these people uh, with a long spoon. But guess what? I, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised at the end of the day. They come out. I'm just picking names here. They come out with article and say, you know what, cop? You have to go with article. Like it, take they it or leave tell it. tell us we have to go with anything. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm, I'm hypothetically, hypothetically, I'm just no, being no hypothetical. No, there's no hypothesis there. If they tell me I have to go, I will leave the cop. That's it. Because it's not a, it's not a measure. It's a coalition. And if anybody tries no. to impose somebody on a coalition, it dissolves because that's not the agreement. Are you feeling me? If it were a measure, then we are in trouble. All of us have our candidates. We are ready to go to 2019 and battle it out. Whatever the outcome, we are ready to accept it. But we know that the worst of our problems is Buhari. So we are saying to ourselves, okay, as long as we can pick somebody that each and every one of us will be happy to back, let's see a way to do it. Let's see a way to do it that all of us go together. And I'm saying, okay, I'm happy to be in that situation where all of us are going together to make sure that Buhari gets out, but that we give Nigeria better sets of leaders. I do not believe that these new school guys are a better set of leaders for Nigeria on their own. No. 90% yeah, of them yeah, are horrible people. And horrible people. But what yeah, this yeah, coalition yeah. allows people like me to do is mm. to bring in some good guys. We won't have 100% okay, so, good guys. But we will definitely have quite a number of good guys in the government if we manage to stay together and take power from Buhari. Okay, so so Eunice, um, yes. uh, well said. But I personally don't think Buhari is the major problem. That's number one. Number two, um, the coalition, whichever coalition you're forming, we're looking at trying to um, grab power in the most impossible way. That's number two. Number three, I would expect, and this is just a suggestion I'm throwing out there, NIP is a new party, you're leading NIP, and you have a vision that's very noble and is a good cause for Nigeria. Why don't you focus on that alone and say, you know what? Let's just start from councillor. Let's target, target how many councillors do we have in Nigeria? I'm picking numbers. If we have 100 councillors across, across the entire Nigeria, NIP is targeting 20% of those councillors, and you get it in 2019. Then you face the second phase. Okay, next step, we're looking at House of, House of Assemblies uh, on, in the states. Then you go from there, you go to senatorial. Then you build a structure from there, rather than trying to grab it from the top that has been decayed for decades. I, 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 can, I can't imagine what you have heard and seen in meetings. I cannot imagine it, because I run a small business in Nigeria, and I know what I see on a daily, day-to-day basis on regular people in terms of corruption and the way they think, their ideology and all that stuff. Nigeria is a very, very difficult country to change right now. Very difficult. We have this problem with the cash for votes that's trending right now. Cash for votes. It's either you get paid for whatever, wherever you turn print. How do you deal with that when people are starving? 
you know, people exactly. are starving. They need exactly. any and money. The they, same way the power goes at the top. It's also the same way it goes at the bottom. And you have to understand that we are a new political party. By the time we got registered, 90% of councillorship, whatever, they were already done. The only election we met is this one we are taking part in now. And we do have candidates. We have some very strong candidates, even some women running as governors in some, and we believe that one or two of them will win. We have some very strong candidates running for positions of houses of assembly in different states. And we have some who are going for the House of Rep and the Senate. So it's not like we're running only for the presidency. However, it is very important for us to also be on that negotiation table because it makes things easier for our people who are in the states. Some of these political parties, we are already like, okay, forming cliques somehow. Okay, you, me and you, we agree. Our parties are very similar. You are not strong in Enugu, but you are very strong in Calabar. Why don't you get your guy to contest the Calabar one, I support you there with everything I have, and you leave me to do the Enugu one. And then you have 38 political parties saying, yes, okay, take this one, take this one, take this one, let me leave you here, let me help you here. And then at the end of the day, what you get is that you're going to have three or four or five people in the state assemblies, six or seven or eight people, like you just have people in different places, in different parts of the country, because you're negotiating with other people who have similar visions with you, who do not want to block you. They don't want to just send candidates in just because. They want to say, okay, let me not send candidates in here since you are stronger there and we don't really feel that's an important role for us to kill ourselves over. Let's leave it to you. Those 20,000 votes would have gotten. Let's leave you so you guys have the 500,000 votes you need to win your position. You take it. Then you go where you have 20,000, you give them that your 20,000 so that they can get their 50,000 to win the vote there. That's how to strategize. So you cannot tell me that your strategy of starting with councillorship, which was done before we even became a party, is the way to go. No, we are sitting in there. We're seeing what the problems are. We're seeing what the opportunities are. And we're making decisions according to what's on the ground. We started with forming, forming, bringing all these new candidates together. We realized that was going to be a serious mistake, a serious injustice for our country. We moved away. We are now dealing with the so-called devils, and we are realizing that while dealing with those so-called devils, we are now able to be pushing in some really good guys. For me, for a party that is not even a year old, that's a mega win. Okay, you know what, Eunice, um, Yemi, thank you so much for, um, hello, do you hear me? Yes, do you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. Thank you so much for calling in. Like, this is so, so, I love that you, you know, you have questions, you ask the questions, and, and um, Eunice is, and we don't have so much time left, actually. Um, but hopefully, maybe we can bring Eunice back, and maybe a couple of other candidates, who knows, maybe we can have a roundtable conversation, and we can go at this, you know, some more, because obviously, um, the, you know, the challenges we have with, you know, our country and the election is not a one-hour conversation for sure. But thank you so much for contributing to this conversation. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick, we're going to take a quick break. Yes, he asked very, very important questions. Thank you, Yemi. And I really wanted to say so. Thank you so much for Facebook or WhatsApp or Twitter. Let me know you're the one that talked to me here. So I'll add you to my friend. No problem. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Well, that, thank, you. thank you. 
that was really that was really nice of um Yemi to you know con- to call in and, and contribute. And I think he asked really very important questions actually yeah. Yeah. because yeah. somebody has to ask these questions. Let's be honest, yeah. you know. Um pres- you know the <laughs> having a leader, you know, it's not a um you know, we choosing our leaders really, or we having to find someone the right person to vote for is not a joke. And so, yeah. people, some people, we take we need to take it seriously. And I think it's important that you ask the questions and that you share. But you know, while you were sharing some of the things that you were talking about, I realized that you know it, it, it's so much more complex than we actually understand, right? Yeah. And yeah, you, only absolutely. the person who's involved, yeah, only the person who's involved actually knows what what's happening on the other, you know. And now that you were answering the question, I was like, hmm, that makes a lot of sense because you know you having to it's just because some people haven't been there before doesn't exactly make them better better candidates. Just because they haven't been given the same opportunity to steal or to hurt or to take advantage of the people doesn't mean that they will be better when they get there. And that's the biggest problem that we have. So I like how you were able to share the personal experiences you've had one-on-one with these people. And, you know, that's not to say that, you know, human beings will still choose who they want to choose, but it's great to have these sort of conversations. So let's do something quick. I feel like we need a little bit of music in this house, in this party, because we've been having talk, talk, talk with talking so much and i know you like music so i'm going to share this this is my love by my by ashionye she's actress singer writer everything and she's been a guest on this show so we'll be back enjoy
and that was My Love by Ashonier Raka, and Ashonier, singer, actress, writer, everything amazing, and she's been a guest on this show, and uh, yeah, so speaking of my love, I think it takes love, you know, to be a great leader, I think, you know, a leader must love, you know, a good leader must love their people, and like, you know, uh, my special guest, who by the way is still here on the show, we had a great conversation just before we went on that musical break, um, Eunice Atwechi there, who is, uh, she is a lawyer, a businesswoman, and she's the national chairman of the National Interest Party, who's also running as, you know, a president candidate on the under the NIP for the 2019 oncoming elections for Nigeria and uh, you know we talked about quite a number of things and just before we had the call from Yemi who by the way asked some really great questions um, I remember um, Eunice had you know she, she had said something about having a good leader must have open communication and must remember that they are there to serve right um, and yeah to have open communication welcome back Eunice hi thank you Thank you. Hi, Thank Eunice. you very much. Hello there. Thank you. Okay. So I know that we don't have so much time left. We have about, you know, five minutes before we wrap. Um, there's one question. <laughs> God, there are a couple of questions, actually, but unfortunately we can't, can't, we can't take all of them, which is so weird because, you know, it, it's so much, you know, time runs so fast when we're having fun, right? But let me just yeah. ask you this. Um, what would you say, um, now since going through this entire process, what would you say is something that you have discovered about yourself? You know, what has, it, what has politics taught, what has it taught you about yourself as a woman? What is the one thing that you just realized, oh, wow, you didn't really know about yourself until being part of this entire process? What I did not know that I know now for sure is that yeah. I'm ready. I'm absolutely mm. ready. I'm ready to face the music. I'm ready to lead the country. I'm ready to sit off with anybody. I'm ready to defend my people. I'm ready to protect my people. And God forbid, if they bring death my way, so be it. I have very young children, (laughs) and I did not think I could ever come to the point where it's fine, but it is. I've been threatened. Mm -hmm. I've been faced. I mean, people come with their guns and whatever. And then I just realized... Hey, it doesn't matter. I don't want to die. God forbid. But if that's what it comes to, mm-hmm. so be it. Because I've led a very content, very happy, quite successful 39 mm-hmm. years so far. So every day I mm-hmm. get now is an addition. I want as many extra days as possible. But God forbid that because I am not ready to start talking for anybody that I don't want to talk for, or start collecting money and talking rubbish. I'm not ready to ah, over-compromise because definitely I have to compromise, mm-hmm. but over-compromise to the mm-hmm. point where I lose my identity. I'm not ready to do that. Mm-hmm. And if that means somebody has to eliminate me, so be it. So that's what I discovered and I said to myself, I'm ready. I think that's 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 that that really is a big deal for you to be ready because a lot of the times we go through a life not being ready. We're always yeah. waiting for the perfect time. I think that you're really an example of what courage is. Like I said, yeah. we were all told when we were young that we could be the future leaders of our country. <laughs> I'm sure every child was told that in their class. But how many of us have been brave enough to say we can do it right now? We are all telling ourselves yeah. we're not ready because we have a pile of 
you know, personal issues or we feel yeah. the time is not right. Or like Yemi said, you have to start from counsel. I don't agree. You know, like yeah. I feel you can start from wherever you want to start from. You're the only yeah. one who knows if you're ready to go. Um, exactly. And, I, and, 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 you know, it's funny because society always defines and tells us, when yes, you know, yeah, there are rules and there are regulations and there, there, there's the way that it has always been done. But we exist to challenge the norm, right? We exist, exactly. and that's the truth. Whether when you look at it, it's time of history. Exactly. Most some of the most successful people that things people who have done things that Barack Obama was told to. No, we can now change the narrative, but I remember when he was running the first election and I was one of the people who said he was going to win. People said he had yeah. no chance. You know, That's he had right. to spend more time. He wasn't ready. He said he was ready. And, you know, so, so here's the thing. It's only the person who's going that way that knows, yeah. you know, who has experienced it knows whether they're ready to go or not. I know we don't have so much time left and we have another caller. Um, <laughs> and I would have loved to take this call, but... Oh, Eunice, I have to bring you back again for sure because there's so much we wanted to talk about, so much fun stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about. But this has been an amazing, it's been an amazing pleasure talking to you and having you here on the show. And if you know anyone, who, if you're listening, wherever you're listening from around the world, if you just joined us in the middle of the conversation or you missed part of it, know that you can always catch the archive shows right here. Same link, you can come back and listen to it. Right as we wrap, you can join the conversation and listen back to my amazing conversation with Eunice at Twitchy Day. And um, till we come back same time on Friday Radio Special, I love you for listening. Ciao. Thank you. Bye, Eunice. Bye. It's unscripted. Out. It's unfiltered. Out. It's uncaught. Talk with Alex, of course.